This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Uh, I was actually preparing for this message and my mind went back years and years ago. Uh, I was uh, pastoring a church um, and uh, I remember there was a young man that uh, just got married a year ago, and uh, he was he came visiting the church with his wife, and uh, man started attending the church soon after, and uh, he was uh, very well off uh, from the outside and from the looks of it. Um, he was a young man that uh, I, I knew what he did for work. He was a businessman, uh, an entrepreneur, had multiple businesses in real estate that he started and uh, doing very well for himself. Uh, in his late 30s, uh, no children as yet. Uh, he was one year married. His, his wife was, uh, was amazing, uh, an, an amazing woman, just so much of charisma, uh, passion for the Lord, uh, a family that was just brought in by divine providence. And, and God did some amazing things through that family in our church. But all throughout the first few the, the months of them being in our church, I was getting to know them. And, uh, and, and the more I got to know them, I was able to dig deeper beyond what we saw on the surface. Uh, on the surface, I saw smiles. Uh, on the surface, I saw money and wealth and prosperity and good jobs and businesses and uh, this thriving entrepreneur that was uh, about to do, um, you know, exploits uh, in the business world as well as for the kingdom of God. Uh, the agendas and the things that he had in mind were amazing. But as we began uh, developing a friendship I began understanding that be behind the smiles and behind the pleasant personalities that the wife and the husband had was this deep secret and this deep prayer that they were praying behind closed doors. Uh, he had this debilitating illness that the doctors were pretty much looking at him and saying, you're, you're, you're going to die someday. Uh, and, and it was only years that the doctor has, doctors had given him. It was an autoimmune disease that, that, that eventually turned out to be something that would be fatal. But through it all, he had this ability to put on this smile, to put on this, this, this charisma that they had, that they so well masked the pain that they were going through. I thought about that story today. I thought about that man today. I thought about that woman today. And I thought about the pride that we suffer as Christians. Pride makes us want to hide our struggles and bury our weaknesses. And I don't for a second think that that was his case. I don't think it was pride that buried his, he was open about it. He told me about it. He was, uh, he, he told me how much of pain he went through at nights and sleepless nights that he would go through. And sometimes staying awake all night, waking up in the morning after like 30 minutes of a nap or a sleep and going to work the next day is an ad again. But, but, but to hide that, and yet be in a place where he could still be the believer and the Christian having hope and joy and love. But on the contrary, there are so many of us that hide our struggles. We bury our weaknesses. But when I go through the scriptures and I study the word of God, the scriptures paint this portrait of a God who actually uses the weak. The most powerful thing that Jesus did was he, he took on weakness. He bore weakness. He showed what weakness was and how weakness could take over even the strongest of people. It's actually Tim Keller in his book, Making Sense of God. 
He tracks this biblical pattern of God choosing those who are powerless to fulfill his purpose. God in his omniscience and omnipotence even uses his own son, Jesus Christ, as an example of saying the most powerful can also become weak. And Jesus in all his teachings, and Paul reminds us that in Romans and throughout the Bible, we find stories of how God uses the weak and inadequacy are places in which God chooses to shine his majesty. Sometimes that happens through miracles. Sometimes that happens through breakthroughs. Sometimes that happens through things that happen without words that we can explain. In, in, in the gospel according to Matthew, we have been studying about different miracles. We've been in a series in the gospel according to Matthew. For the last 26 weeks, we have been talking and discussing about how Jesus came into this world as, as this baby that was born into this world. And not just that, and, and this, this transformation of the story that becomes this, this God that was also man who came into this world as this baby in swaddling clothes, but then transforms into the savior of the world. But along his three-year journey on earth, he walks around instilling hope and not just that, restoring life to the dead. Not just people that were dead. And today's story, we'll probably touch on that. And, and the next time we come back to the gospel according to Matthew, we'll touch on that. But today is an example where Jesus walks into inadequacy. He walks into a place that is desperately needing a miracle. I don't know if you're sitting over here and you're needing a miracle today, but I pray that this word will come strong to you and this word will speak to your heart today. How does a miracle work? See, God has written a natural law that doesn't change anything into the DNA and the fabric of the universe, but he is not confined by those rules. We don't serve a God that is confined by his own rules that he makes. He steps into creation, he takes natural law, and he turns it around from time to time. The awe and the wonder that surrounds it, and we see it happen every day. Even in the natural, we're about to board a plane in three, four hours. We're literally, I'm, I'm, I'm getting off the stage, I'm not going to talk to anybody in the lobby because I have no time. We're getting in the car and rushing out, 3.30 is our flight. So, so uh, we were about to get on this plane and I was sitting and as I was preparing this message, I was like, man, I, I remember getting on the Airbus 380, the, ju the jumbo jet, the double decker. I don't know how many of y'all have gone. I remember getting onto that once and I, I sat outside in, in, in the, in the terminal looking out through the glass windows. I saw this thing parked out there for the very first time. And I was like, in awe of the technology and the, and, and, and what went into creating that particular airship. You see it sitting on the tar tarmac and you wonder how this thing is going to lift off and stay in the air. It's so heavy and what about the laws of gravity when this thing goes up in the air? Take the law of aerodynamics and add thousands of pounds of thrust to it and you can interrupt and supersede natural law by, by, by a higher set of laws that are at play. See, miracles are occurrences where Jesus steps into situation and interrupts natural law. I believe in my heart that what is going on with you, there is nothing that you're going through that God cannot step in and say, I can override and I can say, I can supersede that and I can put my imprint on that. I can put my footprint on that and call it a miracle. 
We're about to study about a miracle like that in Matthew chapter 9. So go with me, Matthew chapter 9. And if you want to follow in the notes, uh, you could scan the QR code. You could follow the notes on the Bible app. But Matthew chapter 9, the Bible says this in verse 18. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, my daughter has just died. But come and lay your hand on her and she will live. Verse 19, and Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And here's the interruption. They are on the way to a miracle. And there is an interruption for yet another miracle that's about to happen. Come on, am I talking to somebody? Never think that you're bothering God with your issues. He has time for you and for you and for you and for you and for me. No matter what you're going through, my God pauses where the heart cries out to him. And the Bible says, and Jesus stopped. Behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Verse 22, Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the Bible says, and this is the most beautiful part, and instantly, someone say instantly, Woo, the woman was made well. Close your eyes with me. Father, speak to us through this word in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the first story on August 6th when I'm back. Okay, uh, we'll talk about this story in the next two weeks. We're going to take a break from the, the gospel according to Matthew. And next Sunday, one of our overseers, Pastor Charlie Tuttle from Genesis Church in McKinney, he'll be bringing the word. And the week after that, one of our elders, Chris Matthew, he's going to be bringing the word. So nobody's missing church. We're going to be here. Okay, but pastor's going to be watching online. I'm going to watch for heads. Okay, okay. <laughs> All righty. So we're going to we're going to talk about that August 6th. But we're introduced to this woman. No name. We don't know if her name is Martha. We don't know if her name is Susie. We're just introduced to this woman. And we know her by her issue. We know her by her problem. We know her by a sickness. And the gospel writers, be it Matthew, Mark, or Luke, all three of them, write about her. Mark chapter 4, uh, Matthew chapter 9, uh, Luke chapter 8. All three of them have an account of this story. Although Mark and Luke are more vivid in their explanation, Matthew touches a surface level of what this story is about. And we'll go through the account in Luke just as we've done in the previous miracles that we've studied. There's so many years of bondage that is surrounding this woman. And her identity was wrapped up in her crisis. I don't know about you, but I remember so many people growing up where people around me used to refer to them by their season in life. My, my talk, do, do you know that guy who did this or that? You, you always know people by their reputation. Their reputation precedes them. Am I talking to somebody, right? I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're known by. Anybody known by something here? I don't know. I don't think we want to accept it. But there are so many people that, and there are some people that, is known, that they are known as the drunk, known as the angry man. Known as that vulgar man. He's, he's always the one that cusses. You remember, you remember Bob, the one that cusses all the time? Remember Ashish, the one that crashes his car all the time? That, that, that guy? I've never crashed my car. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just saying. We're introduced to this woman with an issue of blood. 
Like if you, if you're given a label, what would it be? And, and I don't want you to think that big. Everybody has labels that you have. For some of us, it's procrastinator. For some of us, it's lazy. For some of us, it's, it's you know, I, I'm going to stop there. Uh, I don't want to get into trouble. But, but, but here is a woman who, was, who had an issue, a deep issue, a deep problem. And, and the Bible says it was a problem where she was dying from the inside. I'm titling my message this morning, Dying from the Inside. Dying on the inside. Like I said, in Mark chapter 5, Luke chapter 9, this story is so vivid. And in Luke chapter 8, verse, uh, Luke chapter 8, sorry, not Luke chapter 9, Luke, Luke chapter 8, verse 43, the Bible says, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. Y'all, in a crowd, she looked normal, but she was dying on the inside. If you saw her on the outside, she didn't have a crooked arm. She didn't have a withered arm. She wasn't lame. She wasn't blind. She had everything going for her. And if she was out in public, and we'll, we'll talk about it in a second, she probably hid it pretty well. She may or may not have. People will probably know of her. And if she's suffering for 12 years, the possibility was that people knew what she was going through. Why was she dying on the inside? She was dying on the inside because she was isolated relationally from the people that she loved. Even though she lived in a home and even though she probably had a husband and she probably had children, she probably had children, they probably didn't stay in the same room. They couldn't be in the same room at the same time. Her husband probably stayed in a different room or, or, or slept in a different bed if she had a husband. Or probably she was living all by herself and her family wanted nothing to do with her. We don't know much, so we're supposing all these things are a possibility. She was dying on the inside because she was isolated financially. Luke and Mark tell us that she had spent all her money, every last penny she had spent on medical bills and doctors who just gave her labels and labels and labels and labels and said, we don't know what to tell you. We have no explanation. This is just how you're going to be. And just threw another hospital bill at her. I don't know how many of y'all have been there in those shoes before, but that's not a great feeling. She was dying on the inside because she was isolated physically. Her health was under pressure. Her health was under, under attack. And, 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 and I look at my life and I ask myself, what is the situation in my life that is isolating me? On the outside, everything was fine. On the outside, everything looked okay. In a crowd, you probably could not even identify her struggle. My question today is, is there anybody dying from the inside? And you look at the outside, everything's fine, but you got the report that you probably may never have a child. You probably got the report that, man, it's going to be an upheaval task, or you have to do this procedure and this procedure and that procedure, and it's going to cost tens of thousands of rupees and 20,000, and, and you're like, how am I going to pay for this? Yeah, I want, my, I want a baby, or I want this procedure to be done, or I want good eyesight, or I want my back to be better, but I can't afford that. I don't have insurance. On the outside, it looks amazing, but there's something on the inside that's eating you from the inside out. And today I think God has a message for some of us sitting here that no matter what you're going through, there's nothing my Jesus wouldn't stop for and turn his face around for. 
and say, I care for you. Remember what you're going through is not something that God doesn't know. My Jesus knows what you're going through. In verse 44, the Bible says she came up behind him and touched the hem or the fringe of his garment and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. I don't want to get into the Greek because we don't have much time. I don't want to talk about the hem. I don't want to talk, talk about what garment it was. There's so much to it. The intricacies of it will amaze you. But I want to talk about what she did in order for her to move from where she was in a place of isolation to a place of acceptance. The first thing she did is she changed her circle. She changed her crowd. You need a new circle of people if you want a new touch from God. Some of us are around the same circle of people, the same crowd of people. I pray that you will find you a new crowd. Man, community is an integral part of, of church. Community is an integral part of the believer. So many of us go through pain and people won't know about it because we are not vulnerable to community. Come on, am I talking to somebody? When we go through something, we need people to come surround us and pray for us because community is important. When she got around the right crowd, she got saved. Some of us, man, our crowd is doctors. Some of us, our crowd is friends that speak negativity over us. Come on. For Job, it was a bunch of friends that he called friends or he thought was friends, but spoke negativity over him day after day after day. What are those leeches in your life that suck the life out of you? Friends that only want what you have and they don't really want you. How many of you call your friends? How many of you call y'all? How many of you have friends? <laughs> I saw some of y'all going, y'all have friends? I can pray for you after service. I mean... How many of you call those friends? Yes? No? Okay. How many of those friends call you back regularly? Oh, wow. That's good. I'm glad if you have friends that call you back. Because if they don't, you need to reevaluate re your friends. You need to reevaluate your circle. You need to reevaluate your crowd. She was around people that just kept speaking negativity and death over her kept giving her remarks, kept giving her labels, kept giving her diseases and sicknesses and names and said that there's no hope for you. Like, do not be bullied by the enemy. I want to remind somebody this. So many of us are, are, are so used to people speaking down on us. If you are around a crowd of people that continuously speak down on you, detach, find a new crowd. Find a new community. If there's somebody that doesn't value you, value your gifts, your talents, your time, find a new community. Some of y'all don't like this message. Some of us need a change of scene. Change the people that speak over your life. This woman is about to do something that she probably has never done in many, many years. This woman's probably about to do something that she's never done before. She's moving outside from what she's used to or the crowd that she's used to to seek for a breakthrough that is bigger. And it just so happens that Jesus happens to be the difference maker in this crowd. But God, the same people that dismissed me yesterday is over there. Trust me, you will never find, this, find the perfect church. But, but God, all, all these people at church, these church people are just like, you know, just, just bad people, Lord. They just talk behind your back, God. 
I don't go to church because all of them are a bunch of what? Yeah. Anybody hear that before? Plenty. I don't even want to get into that, but I want to, I want to remind you, some of this crowd was the same people that she was used to before, but the difference in this crowd was that Jesus, Jesus was in the middle of this crowd, and she said, I'm going to take my chances here. Because if Jesus is in the middle of this crowd, God cannot just touch me, but God can touch this group, this crowd as well. And I believe in my heart that God has put you in certain communities. We're going to start community groups in a couple of weeks here. As we start community groups, I ask and I pray and I plead with you to get plugged in. To allow yourself to be vulnerable to people that can share life with you. We talk about that in church and we say life happens in circles. It doesn't happen in rows. Are you allowing God to speak to you through circles in your life? She broke so many things that day. She broke, it, she broke up an appointment Jesus was going to. Imagine Jairus. Jairus was like, I just secured my appointment, right? This man is so difficult to get. Come on, somebody. Am I talking to? We have a DPS office next door. Like, it, you know how hard it is to get an appointment with them? Like, anybody <laughs> try to get... Like, imagine you're standing in line and somebody comes and says, hey, man, I know you've been waiting for like three months. Can I have your appointment? Like, I need my license tomorrow. And you're like, I need it yesterday. Like, I'm sorry that you need it tomorrow, but I've been waiting. And here's this woman. She has broke up an appointment that Jesus was going to. And the next thing she's broken is a bunch of laws. Let's start with you can't touch a rabbi if you're unclean. You can't even go around people if you're unclean. You can't rub shoulders with people, normal people, if you are unclean. And she is unclean. She had a hemorrhage that would render her unclean according to the Levitical law. Leviticus actually says that a woman with an issue of blood was ceremonially unclean. And anything that they would touch after that would be unclean. So technically, when she walked into that crowd, everybody that she brushed shoulders with, everybody that she just brushed, everybody turned unclean at that moment. But she was willing to take that chance. Oof. See, the lie of the enemy is this, and I want to be real today. As much as this is just, just slightly different from the topic at hand, I want to talk to somebody today. The lie of the enemy is that your issue only affects you and no one else. Like the struggles that you're going through, the, the, the addictions that you're going through, the, 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 the deep struggles that people can't see, you're like willing to go through it because I'll, I'll make sure that I'll do that and I'll make sure that it doesn't affect my wife. I'll make sure that I'll contain it. I'll make sure that I control it to where my children are not affected. I'll make sure that these addictions and these, these bad behaviors and all, no, 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 I want to remind somebody, if there's something that you're doing that you're not supposed to do, it is somehow affecting your family, it is affecting your children, it is affecting your church, it is affecting your pastor, it is affecting your leaders, it is affecting your church members, it is affecting the people you serve with, it's affecting your children, it's going to affect your children's children. Come on, am I talking to somebody? Do not ever think that the sin you're dealing is something that you can deal with by yourself. The sin that you're dealing with, if you don't deal with it, and if you don't ask Jesus to deal with it, remember it has the potential to eat you. Come on. Mm. Help me, Lord. Your brokenness and your weakness can be a place for God to show up, church. 
So many people are the opposite. Maybe I should disconnect myself completely and live in my misery by myself. Let me not allow other people in is what other people say. Because you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm a sinner. Or I have this stuff going on for me and I know I can never come back. Or I have these addictions and you know what, I'm, I'm not going to come to church. Or I'm going to be far away as possible. I've had conversations with so many people that will look at me and say, Pastor, you know what, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not adequate enough. Or I have this stuff, I don't think you want to be around me. Or I don't think you want to be, and I'm like, no, if Jesus can be your friend. And if Jesus sat with people that were not like him and didn't look like him and didn't have the same care. Like I am willing to sit there and pray over. Over you don't ever come to that point where you disconnect yourself see when you're dying from the inside there's not strength left but but do your best you can with the little strength that you have there's this woman that's dying from the inside like think about that non-stop this woman has been bleeding hemorrhaging for the last 12 years think about the pain some of us men would probably never understand the pain of a person that is going through that and yet here is a woman that is going through so much of trauma and so much of pain but you know what her attitude is her attitude is this i'm going to do my minimum and expect god to do his maximum I am praying that we will have the attitude where you will do your minimum as much as you can do. I know you don't have the strength. I know your strength is spent. I know that you don't have anything inside of you. I know it's the same crowd. I know it's the same disappointment. I know it's the same group of people that have dissed you. It's the same family. It's the same husband. It's the same wife. It's the same children. But if you have an ounce of energy left, do the minimum so that God in his majesty can look at your inadequacy and say I am more than enough for you like somebody needs to hear that word today you're so tired you're the end of the rope you've tried it all in your marriage the communication it's not working it's the same thing you're fighting with over and over again every week is the same thing and you kiss and you make up and it's going to be okay and yet again you come to this place where it's this this circle this cycle where you keep going over and over and over but I want to remind somebody your minimum potential releases God's maximum potential what's your minimum today what is the least you can do today what is the best you can do today? Her best was man with the little strength that I have. Let me crawl and touch the end of his garment. She's trying her best to weave in and out of, of crowds. She's trying her best not to touch anybody. She's trying her best not to be spotted. Her head is probably covered. Her face is probably covered. She's willing to do anything it takes to do the minimum because her heart expects God to do the maximum. Faith will give you that strength to look at God and his ability to do maximum and beyond your thoughts and beyond your, your heart has ever imagined. That's what God does. But if you have the ounce of strength within you, a little bit of strength, a little bit of faith, somebody that's at the end of the rope needs to hear this one thread. That's all I need to touch. One thread of his garment. Come on, somebody. That was the faith that this woman had. 
Let me remind you without getting into the semantics of this, that piece of cloth that she was about to touch was a holy cloth. Ooh, it was a cloth that was holy and she was about to touch that. I'm telling you something, when your unholiness meets the holiness of God, no matter what unholiness you have, and no matter what sickness you have, the holiness of God touches it. You don't have to worry about tarnishing the image of God. It doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. Her attitude was one thread, one touch, one moment. That was her best. And in verse 45, she touches Jesus and Jesus said, who was it that touched me? Everybody was like, not me, not me, not me, not me. Everybody thought somebody hit Jesus. Everybody said, no, I wasn't the one. Peter said, master, these crowds surround you. Everybody's around you. Everybody wants to see what's going on. You were about to go and raise a dead person back to life. Like, don't you think that people are all around you? People are thronging to see what's about to happen. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out of me. Can we pause there for a second? I want you to write this down. When faith is exercised, power is experienced. When faith is exercised, power is released. It, it blows my mind that when this woman exercised an ounce of her faith, heaven recognized it. God stopped in his tracks. If you for a second think that when you pray, God doesn't hear you, I am, I don't know what theology, I don't know who has taught you, they've taught you wrong. We, we, we heard that a few days ago here at Fasting Prayer. When the Bible says this, when Daniel prayed, the moment he prayed, God heard his prayer. The answer didn't come for 21 days, but the Bible says the moment he prayed, God heard him. Am I talking to somebody? I want to instill that faith within you, no matter what you're going through, the cry of a man of faith, a woman of faith, a child of faith, the cry that comes out of you, my God hears your every cry. It, it, it blows my mind that Jesus stopped in his tracks because he felt power leave him. It blows my mind to realize that your faith can draw power out of God. Some of y'all needing breakthrough in your needs. You're, you're, you're waiting for breakthrough in some, something or the other that you're going through in your life. I'm asking you to exercise faith to release power. Strengthen your body by working and exercising those faith muscles. Is your faith commanding results? Is your faith, every time your faith is exercised, does virtue flow from Christ to make you all? I'm asking you today, physically, emotionally, mentally, is God giving you the strength? Like, do you feel the strength of God coming on you when you exercise faith, when you call upon the name of God? Faith should command results. Verse 47, and when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. She was found. She came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. Like, pause, think about that for a second. She was probably embarrassed to even testify. 
She was like, no one wants to confess that they had a vaginal hemorrhage. Like that's embarrassing to come up in the front and testify in front of the church. Come on, am I talking to somebody? Who wants to do that? Who wants to say, Rabbi, that was me? No, no. But with everything she had, here is this woman. She comes forward and she confesses. Because you know why? Jesus already knows. But Jesus was asking because there was somebody else that needed to have faith. There were a bunch of people that were heading to a home to raise the dead. And it was important that these people hear the testimony of a woman and say, man, if that was impossible with doctors and if God could do that to her, what makes us think that God cannot raise a child that is dead? That is why it's so important for us to share our testimony. When something happens to us, and I was so encouraged this last week, there were healings that happened in this place. Not one, not two. We, we read about two of them on Discord. Two people said, hey, I was healed. The rest of them said, no, but I know there were at least 10 people that got, that, that, that there was deliverance, there was healing, there was breakthrough. People got jobs, promotions. There were things that happened, crazy stuff that happened over the last few days. You know what, it's, it's not, to, not, not to boast, it's not to, not to you know, be, be ashamed of what you're going through, but it, but, but it encourages the people around you to say, man, my God is a miracle worker. Don't keep quiet about what God is doing in your life. Shout it out from the rooftops. Go and tell somebody. Post it on Facebook. Post it on your threads. Post it on your Instagram story. And tell people that your God is a living God. Come on, somebody. Can I hear an Amen. Testifying is important. Tell people of the goodness of God in your life because they will believe that God can come through for them. See, Jesus can distinguish between the tussle of the crowd and the touch of faith. And here's this woman with a touch of faith that distinguishes her, that separates her from the thronging of the crowd to just be around Jesus. The anonymous woman in the crowd was living a life of fear, but there's been this fear of illness, the bleeding, the painful procedures, doctors poking and prodding and practicing a primitive kind of medicine. And, I, and like I said, I don't want to go into the semantics of it because once I start explaining it, it's not a just going to the doctor and the doctor saying, okay, this is what's wrong with you. Here you go. This is the medication. Go pick it up at Kroger Pharmacy. No, that's not what happened. Primitive medicine and practices was different. This woman had tried it all. She had been through every surgeon. She had been through every, every practicing surgeon and, and doctor in the city. And Luke knows because he's a doctor. And Luke is like all the doctors, every one of them told her that there is no hope. They did what they had to do. So she has been at the hands of pain. She's lost all her dignity. Her illness has cost her so much that she fears that she's not even going to live. And to top it all, in the Jewish culture and the Jewish law, female problems like hers were seen as judgment from God. So there's been an additional indignity of being shunned by the community. So all the, the contact of a family, uh, avoiding that, the tremendous loss, the loneliness, the grief, without family protection, many more fears, the, the wrath and the condemnation from a community. It, it's come, the time has come 12 years. Finally, the pain has been lifted and she can't wait to tell people, hey, y'all put me down, but my Jesus has restored me. Yeah. Jesus says, who touched me? 
There is no pain. There is no indignity that you're going through that my Jesus cannot restore. It's just not your physical condition. He cares about what you're going through physically. He cares about what you're going through emotionally. He cares about your image. He cares about what people think about you. He cares about what you think about yourself. And he looks at you and says, I care for you so, so deeply. Oof. Verse 28. Worship team, you guys can get ready to come up. Verse 48, he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. First time ever Jesus is calling, first and last time Jesus will, some, will call somebody daughter. No other time in the New Testament, Jesus calls somebody daughter. This woman who her parents have probably let go of, have abandoned and said, we don't want anything to do with you because we won't be accepted in the synagogue. We can't go and worship, but we have something. She's probably not seen a family or she's probably seen family from a distance. She's probably not seen the physical touch or experienced physical touch in a very long time. And for the very first time, someone is calling her daughter in 12 years. He just doesn't restore her health to her. He accepts her back on a personal level. That's the might of God. He just doesn't, he's not just here for a miracle. He's looking at you and saying, I am restoring identity. You are a child of God. You are made in my image and in my likeness. And if God can drive that into you, I'm telling you, oh, he accepted her, called her daughter, gave her relationship back, gave her identity back. And if Jesus can call me daughter, why can't you? It's going to be her testimony. Because that's the promise of all of us in Romans 8, 15. The Bible reminds us the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you can live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought you out of adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. We serve a father in heaven that loves us. That restores identity to us. Do you know Christians who consequently are enslaved by their unbelief? Paul says this, living in unbelief is being enslaved to the devil in his schemes. That's what Paul says. But the Spirit of God makes you sons and daughters. Here's a woman that the public has dismissed her, has rejected her. The public dismissed and rejected a woman that God accepts publicly. That's the ability of my God. The public can do whatever they want to you, but my God does just the opposite. He accepts you and he, he puts you in the limelight in the public that puts you down. The public rejected her because of who she was. Jesus accepted her in public in spite of who she was. Would you stand up to your feet with me, church? It was two years ago we were at the Courtyard Theater, two years into planning our church. We would arrive early in the morning at seven o'clock and the team would set up and we would, it was a, we, we were a portable church back then. We didn't have a building, we didn't have a space and we would rent the Courtyard Theater in downtown Plano. 
we would have our services there and I remember when our team was there early once I had just come in to um, later on after the team had come and I saw this young man sitting in the lobby he was disheveled hair wasn't brushed he wasn't his face literally looked dirty his clothes were okay not tattered or anything he was okay but I could say that there was no joy in his face our team had already offered him uh, donuts and coffee and we had donuts coffee in the mornings and our team had taken care of him they had not sent him away they had not said you don't belong here our team had accepted him I love that about our team I love that about our church that we are accepting people we're people that love on people unconditionally and and I would otherwise not do this because it's a Sunday morning I'm getting ready for church but the Holy Spirit said I want you to go and talk to him right now I said Lord I'll do it after service because that's where I talk to everybody I'll I'll make sure I go counsel with him I talk to him give him the resources he needs whatever he needs he said no I want you to do it right now I said God I just want to go pray I want to get ready the Holy Spirit said do it right now so I begrudgingly walked up to him and I was about to just sit next to him and strike up a conversation and I and I looked at him and I said hey man what's your name I don't remember honestly I don't remember his name right now he's he told me his name tried to ask him a couple of questions he wasn't really in the mood to talk wasn't in the mood to talk I said God now what like I've sat here you told me to talk to him but he won't talk I'm wasting my time Lord the Holy Spirit told me just so fast I heard a voice saying hug him I said, Lord, this cannot be more awkward. Like, I do not know this man. This is the first time I'm meeting him. Okay, now, I, I, I don't know what to say, Lord, but I don't think I'm going to agree with this particular. I'm, I'm not going to hug him. Like, I'd hug somebody that I, I'm a hugger. I love hugging people. I'm not going to just, I don't want to scare him away. He doesn't want to talk to me. What makes you think that he's wanting to hug me? The Holy Spirit said, hug him. I looked at him and said, dude. This is going to sound so weird. This is exactly what I told him. I told him, this is going to sound so weird. And you can say no. <laughs> but can I give you a hug? He got up from his seat. He got up from his seat. I was like, oh, okay. I don't know what's about to happen right now. I don't know if he's going to leave. He looked at me right into my face. He finished, there's this donut that he was eating. He finished what was in his mouth, swallowed it. He looked at me and he said, he said, what's your name? I said, Ashish, of course, he can't say my name. Uh, so he says, he looks at me and he starts talking. And as he starts talking, his voice starts cracking. He said, I just got released from prison last week. He said, I don't have a home, I'm homeless. I don't, I don't know where to go. He said, I was in prison in Carson. He's like, I have not felt physical affection in 10 years. Not one person, I, I don't have family. I don't have friends. They moved him from another state to a, pr a prison here in Texas and he was released. He landed up in Plano walked into our building in the morning because he saw some flags and he said I'll take a hug and I still remember that man hugging me it was a lot more uncomfortable than I wanted it to be I was like so but something inside of me told I said hug him back
I held on to him so tight that day. And I remember this man just bawling his eyes out, like crying and crying and crying and crying. I got a chance in the next few minutes to just talk to him about Jesus. And he said, you know what? I told him I'm the pastor and I'd love to. And he said, pastor, the reason I came to this church was because there was the prison unit that I was in every Sunday. They had a live service from a church that they would show. And, we, and I accepted the Lord when I was in prison. I got baptized in prison. And I just wanted to see if church folk are what they say they are. And he said, for the first time I felt the love of Jesus. He said, I don't know where I'm going from here. I don't know. I still remember us going and giving him stuff and blessing him with stuff and giving him stuff that he needs. And eventually he moved, found another place where there was no way for us to connect to him. But that day, God taught me a valuable lesson. That not only obedience is important, but God has created every person in his images and God cares about people. He cares deeply about people. And people that are, if you're standing up here and there's something that you're going through and there's a situation or a condition that is eating you from the inside out and you don't know how to put into words, you don't know how to, how to explain it, God is looking at somebody and saying, I truly care about you. And he's speaking into that, 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 that thing that you think is eating you from the inside out and God says, man, I have a solution for that problem. Whatever label it is that people have put over you, my God says, I love you unconditionally. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants the best for you. And today God is asking you, what is it that you need deliverance and healing from? Is it the shame of yesterday? Is it the pain of yesterday? Is it you being on the last, you're at the end of the rope and you don't know what to do. You want to throw the towel in. You want to give up. But God is looking at somebody today and saying, man, there's nothing that I will not do. I'm, I'm telling you, your faith is a head turner. Your faith is something that God will stop for. Your prayer, your cry, your one inch, your one ounce is all that God needs. Because if you have one ounce, he has one thread to give you. If you're hanging on by a thread, hang on to the thread of the hem of his garment. If you're hanging on for dear life, remember that you're hanging on to God. Because if he has not given up on you, you have no business giving up on God. You don't need a whole lot of faith. The Bible says the faith of a mustard seed. And I don't know if you've seen a mustard seed, but that thing is pretty darn small. That's all you need. A little ounce, a little step, a little crawl. Do whatever you got to do. Your minimum will meet God's maximum. Your minimum will meet God in His abundance and His mercy and His love. So today, I want to encourage you. Would you surrender? I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward and just help us in prayer today. And if you guys can help us, uh, there are people that are praying for something. If there's deliverance that you're praying for, that you're asking God for, I want you guys to remember that there is a prayer, there are prayer partners, there's a church that is praying with you. There's a team that's praying with you. We want to pray with you. And like we do every Sunday, I want to pray for you. I want to bless you. I want to release you. I want to dismiss you. But if you want to just remain for some time and just spend some time in prayer,
come forward, receive prayer. But if you want to stay where you are and pray, that's fine too. I'm going to ask Eric and Rebecca to help us in prayer up here. And I won't personally be here to pray today. I'm here every day, but not today. But I know that God's presence is here. You don't need somebody to touch you. you don't, we, we're here to agree with you. We would love to pray with you. But I want to encourage you and let you know that you don't need a pastor to touch you and pray for you. Hang on to the hem of his garment. Reach out today. Come on. With every ounce of energy you have, that marriage is not worth throwing away. That husband, that wife is not worth throwing away. Come on, am I talking to someone? That job is not worth throwing away. You give it in the hands of Jesus. Give your children to the hands of Jesus and say, Lord, if I have to crawl, I'm a crawl. If I have to, I have to, if I have to, I'm just going to take every ounce of my energy, God, and I am going to get to where you are, God. But God is the same crowd. Who cares about the crowd? Who cares about who's looking at you? Who cares about who's watching you? Who cares about what they think? Somebody told me once, Pastor, if I come and pray in front, people are going to wonder if I'm going through something so I don't come. I just pray. Who cares? They're not paying your bills. Who cares? My God loves you. He cares for you. And one step of faith, that woman could have sat at home and said, it's the same crowd. It's the same people. They're going to judge me. They're going to tell me not to take it. But she said, I don't care. The difference here now is that Jesus is there. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.